please subscribe to this podcast to ensure we're still broadcasting in 2014. Your Tier 1 exclusive is a complimentary back rub from Scotty, and if we reach Tier 2, I'll start wearing pants. And with that, you're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 77. I'm Ben. And I'm Scott. Tonight on this special episode, we talk to Mattel's own toy guru, Scott Knightlick, about the 2014 Maddie subs. Neither Ben or I have signed up yet. Will toy guru be able to change our minds? Listen and see. Well, Scott, very special episode. Looking forward to this one. It is a very special episode indeed. It's a um, an interesting decision-making process for us to decide to take Toy Guru up on his offer to chat to podcasts. Mm, definitely. Um, we have had a number of listeners over the last couple of weeks and friends of the show ask us if we were planning on putting up our hands for the chat, and I had mixed feelings about it. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Me too. Absolutely me too. And I think it's because there are just so many questions that we don't have clear answers on and who better to get clarity on those questions. For sure. I mean, anyone who listens regularly to our show knows that, you know, we, our opinions are our own. We don't, we're not sponsored by any toy companies. We don't get any free stuff to review. Um, we, and we wish. We wish. Well, but, you know, we, we say what we think. And so certainly over the last 76 episodes, we've said what we think about Mattel. And I um, I wouldn't want to do something that ended up sounding hypocritical because obviously, you know, we've got some serious questions that we want to ask as well as being, you know, excited fanboys, et cetera. But I'm, I'm pretty pleased that, you know, we have been invited to have an open conversation. We haven't had to put questions in. And certainly Scott sounds really happy to chat to us. So I am looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, without further ado, let's get to it. Coming from the farthest reaches of the universe to challenge the worst villains on Earth are the most powerful heroes ever in the Battle of the Superpowers Collection. Can it be the Supermobile on the attack, the Lexor 7 armed with kryptonite? Will the Supermobile repel those deadly rays? You bet. Ready for battle. Activate Ram. New from Kenner's Superpowers Collection. Vehicles and figures with power action, each sold separately. Flying lessons for Penguin, fish bait for Luther. Can the Supermobile defeat the Lexor 7? You decide. Any fan of DC Universe classics, of Masters of the Universe, of Ghostbusters probably knows the name Toy Guru and probably knows that the person behind that nickname is Scott Neatlick from Mattel. And we're very lucky to have Scott uh, here with us on this episode. So, Scott, first of all, thank you very much for making the time to chat to us. My pleasure. I'm very lucky to be talking to you guys. I love doing it. I love just getting the word out. Wonderful. uh, Good morning. Good morning, and it's it's good evening here. It's about um, quarter to good evening. yeah, good. It's <laughs> quarter quarter to eleven on Sunday night here in Australia, and uh, it's um, just after eight thirty in the morning uh, in the Eastern US where you are. That's right. Yeah, we always try to throw in a little bit of a, a cultural education element to our show because we've got That's Americans, right. you know, listening and etc. But look, we we wanted to um, take you up on the offer that you made to talk to podcasts about the 2014 Mattel subscriptions. Ben and I, as well as other people on our show, have been subscribers to DC to I guess Club Infinite Earths as long as it's been around. I've been a subscriber every year to Club Eternia, and uh, we, we enjoy very much what you do. Neither Ben or I have subscribed yet for this year. And so we thought, you know, this is a chance to... So we thought, you know, this is a chance to kind of say, hey, look, this is what we're thinking, and we want to hear what you're thinking while there's still time to do something about it. So I guess the, the first question, obviously, is how are things going at the moment? What's the the the, um, the latest on the little – I've been calling it the transporter meter because they look like Star Trek transporter things to me on the Maddie Collector site. So how are the transporter meters going? Yeah, it's funny. When I, when I originally commissioned meters, I thought I was just getting, like, a thermometer with like a red line going up, like a traditional, <laughs> and I assume thermometers in Australia are similar looking to America. And yeah, they're just yeah, they they're in Celsius, like, not Fahrenheit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it will, yeah, of course. Hey, there's some more educational aspects. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, then we got this like crazy image of Doomsday and E-Man with like swirling energy. Sometimes the graphics guys get really into their projects. I think they're really cool, um, but I'm worried about how um, low the the pixels are. Yes, yes. That's I mean that's obviously you know the, the bottom line is that those meters are accurate. They're not updated every day. You know I know like things like Kickstarter or other sites do that, and a lot of people have even you know, been pushback about why there's not constant hour by hour updates. And the bottom line is, you know, Mattel and Maddie Fletcher wasn't or isn't set up to, to sell things like this. Sure. You know, the first couple of years we did the subs, they all hit 100% in the first 48 hours. We didn't even bother with a meter <laughs> because we knew we were going to hit the medium, the minimum, and then we just kind of kept going. And anything we got above and beyond that over the next 30 days was just great, you know, icing on the cake. Once we started not last year, I think, with the first year of the Mochu sub in particular, didn't hit. Uh, the minimum so quickly, we weren't even prepared. We didn't even have a meter. I was just like shouting out percentages on the message board. <laughs> so this year we worked ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, to have a meter, so we could at least have some kind of visual indication. And honestly, it's updated as the digital team has the bandwidth to do that. The digital team is supporting a lot of Mattel initiatives from you know Barbie.com, the Redline Club, the MaxSteel.com. You know, all of our websites. So it's sort of like we borrow them every second we can because they're literally creating a new JPEG, a new graphic. They're not, you know, it's not like they hit a button and, you know, the meter goes up. So the, the meters are, 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 I believe they were updated midweek last week. Um, I'm actually out of the office right now. I'm on vacation, believe it or not. <laughs> In the middle of the sub period, it's my grandfather's 96th birthday. Oh. So didn't want to miss that in a million years, but I know it's in the middle of the sub period, so I'm still doing everything I can, like joining your, your podcast here. Um, I know Motu is somewhere around 50%. It was when I left the office. I'll know more on Monday when I can check in. And I know D.C. was somewhere around 30%, and the Ecto-1 was about 20%, I want to say. Hmm. They're going to, you know, the, the, the big, the most direct answer is if you want to know how they're doing, go to the site and read the meter. You know, it may be a few days old when you see it because it's not updated every day, but it doesn't jump that much. Um, it, it's basically been creeping up. But I'd love it to jump more. I, honestly, I would love to have already hit the minimum on all of them and just be, be like, great, all right, we're done. Like, these things are going forward, but, you know, we still want to get the word out because we want to maximize sales. Sure. So I guess the bottom line is we're not there yet. Um, you know, the percentages you see on the site are where we are, and we need to keep getting the word out. So in terms of, you know, your own reflection on these processes, wh- where do you feel that the, the message that you're putting out is, is missing at the moment? What else do you think that people need to hear in order to be able to pull the plug? I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about the line. I think the, one of the biggest ones is just people look at Mattel and say, oh, you know, Mattel, you're a billion-dollar company. You know, you could just put this stuff out and write it off, and it wouldn't matter because, you know, you know, even if you took a loss or, I mean, I'm making this up. I'm putting arguments in people's mouths. But at the end of the day, I hate using that phrase. I find myself using that too much. <laughs> These lines are done because we love the brand and we love the fans. And we have very passionate people working on these brands, myself included, designers like Ruben and Bill and, you know, a lot of these guys, people have met at conventions, et cetera. We do this because we love these brands. We don't have to make these toys. It's honestly, if you want to look at it from a black and white Mattel, you know, portfolio standpoint, it probably makes more sense for Mattel just to make more Hot Wheels or more Max Steels or more Barbie, siphoning off you know, energy, you know, my energy, the designers, the four horsemen, all of us, you know, the, the, the output that we create to do these lines, you know, brick by brick, Mattel would, quote-unquote, probably make more money, sell bigger volume if we were making Barbie doll. Mm. If I was, you know, say, reassigned to Barbie, and I was in charge, reassigned to Hot Wheels or Max Steel, I would probably, like, if you just boiled down, you know, my 40-hour work week, and, you know, that mathematically came out to X amount of dollars that I made for the company, I'm sure I would be making more money for the company working on a brand like Max Steel. Is it in terms of your own reflection process about, you know, the, the message that you're 
constructing and putting out there. What else do you feel that you could say at this point to, or, or what do you feel are the stopping points? You know, rather than us just telling you, like, you know, what do you think are the stopping points for people at the moment that's keeping people from from pulling the trigger on these subs? I think a lot of people aren't purchasing the subs because, in you know, I'm putting words in their mouth, but just from what I read on the boards, especially Facebook. People just sort of have these sort of niche interests like, oh, I only want Princess of Power characters, or I only want Flash Rogues, or I refuse to buy a line where you're not going to tell me who all the characters are up front, that I have to buy blind like this. And I get that it's a, it's a bit of an unusual buying experience doing it this way, but there's no one else in the industry doing this because it, it's kind of crazy that we would even do this. The reason it's such a unique buying experience and you have to buy blind and you have to sign up in advance is because you're just flat getting these toys. There really is no other way to get you know, brands like this collector you know, versions of characters, not like little kid versions of characters like the Batman at retail, out to collectors with such a deep character selection. If these brands were at retail, you would just see He-Man, Skeletor, Beast-Man, and She-Ra, and Merman, and Hordak. Mm. And you know, Superman did like the Justice League, basically, in, in endless repaints. To get characters out there like your Glimmers, and your 90s Aquaman, and your Ice, and you know, your Hydron, to get that deep and to deliver this quality as far as articulation and deco and scale, it need, there needs to be that baseline of subscribers, which is why we have the meter in the minimum amount, because that lets us say, okay, you know, let's just um, make up a number. Let's say our minimum was 100,000 people. It's not, but let's just say it was for a round number. Knowing that we have a guaranteed sale of 100,000 people, fans, means, okay, we're going to sell 100,000 units of all 12 figures, or in the case of Motu, 12 plus four quarterly plus one holiday plus the sub-only figure, etc. So, that is what allows us to do this. We can't invest the time and energy and take the risk and the inventory risk to produce characters this obscure, this highly detailed, without a baseline like that. That's why you know you know you don't see other companies doing this because you know it is such a rare thing. Prices have gone up, not just for consumers but in manufacturing because plastic is made out of petroleum, out of oil. And as oil goes up, so does the cost to manufacture. Labor has also gone up. You know, this is industry-wide. I mean, you look at a three-four figure, back in 2008, you could get one for $5.99. Now they're $12.99. Hmm. Six-inch figures at retail. Back in 2008, you could get a figure and a giant Build-A-Figure piece for under $10. Hmm. Now, I mean, like the Star Wars Black Series, I don't know what it is in Australia, but here in America, it's $20 at retail. Marvel Legends is $20 at retail. Yeah, it, figures it's thirty here. To twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like we're not. We're actually kind of are. You know, the prices of these figures aren't really that much more than even these figures you're buying at retail. But wow, look at the character selection. Think I mean, about, the Marvel um, Black series is doing. You know, the top guys. We're doing Hydron. Yeah. Think about DC in particular. What is it about DC collectors that makes us difficult to cater for? I, mean, I wouldn't say either one of them are difficult. I think just a oh, lot no, of people. We are. We're difficult. We know. <laughs> you are. <laughs> oh yeah, we know. I mean, like you know, but so, I, I think like you know, from from your perspective, what is it that makes it challenging to get that message, you know, across that that the DC people want to hear? I think one of the things that's a little harder for DC versus Motu is the fact that you know, with Motu, we have a definitive number of characters that were released in the vintage line. And we're kind of wrapping that up. In fact, we're deliberately wrapping that up. With DC, because of the... I mean, we're, we're talking 70-plus years of history here, mm-hmm. you know, because we've done Golden Age figures, too. So you're really talking almost an infinite number of variations of different characters. Some people want you know, this character from the 70s. Other people want this character from the 80s or, the, or 90s for Clarem Aquaman. So there's so much more variety, and there's so many more iterations, and there's just an endless number of characters. There are just hundreds of thousands of characters in the DC universe that potentially could be made. So zeroing in on the ones that are going to appeal to the most number of fans is really what we're trying to do, which is why you see characters like Hookarm Aquaman and Huntress and Freddie Freeman and, and Ra's al Ghul and Ocean Master 
we're trying to do the, very, very deliberately the characters that the most fans want. But with DC, you're just dealing with such a wide palette of characters and variations of characters from so many decades. For Motu, I mean, Flipshot is Flipshot. He didn't have a 90s look or a 80s look or a 2000 look. You know, I mean, yeah, it, you know, I mean, some characters had different armor in the 2002 series, and we tried to you know, throw in those armor bits or those weapons, but too bad. Perfect example. He's a vintage figure that comes with his vintage shield and his 2002 series inspired mace. Those are the only two versions of Too Bad, and you pretty much get an amalgam of the two with the one figure. With you know, with Aquaman, we are very specifically doing the 1992 hook arm version, not the Golden Age version, not the 60s version, and not the new 52 version. Um, so I think that kind of hit that. There's just so much. There's 70 years. How do, you, mm. how do you boil that down to 12 figures a year, you know? Scott, one of the things I wanted to ask was uh, in regards to Doomsday, certainly one of the characters that has been in demand for quite some time, especially an oversized Doomsday. But one of the decisions I'm trying to get my head around was the decision to go with the the two Doomsdays at the two different tier levels. Um, Probably the the number one reason why I'm on the fence with the sub for 2014 is the idea that the Doomsday that I really want has been selected for Tier 2. And if we only get to Tier 1, then I'm potentially looking at, at, you know, buying into this sub and getting a Doomsday that I don't want. Um, Can can you just talk us through that decision as as to why that was made? Yeah, definitely. Let Let me clear that up. So... It's not that we're holding, I'm going to call them Prisoner Suit and Unleashed Doomsday, for sake of, of uh, brevity here. We're not holding Unleashed Doomsday hostage and saying, we're not going to release this one, you know, unless we get, you know, 10,000 more subscribers. It's that we can't afford to make that version unless we get X, you know, we hit tier two, which is about 30% higher. Because he has so much more tooling. It's all finance and it's all mathematical. The reason that you don't see fully tooled figures in the DC sub, unlike the Motu sub that does have fully tooled figures like Modulock and we just did the Horde Troopers and Mantena, is because we have more subscribers. We have enough fans to justify the tooling. And tooling is one of, tooling is, is, those are the giant molds, the big mm-hmm. uh, metal plates when you make a figure for the first time. And it's the most expensive, it's the one time sunk cost of making a figure. So, you know, if we took a figure that we already made and reissued it in a different color, it's very inexpensive for us to make because the tool already exists. Tooling costs about what a luxury car costs to buy. Yeah, very, very expensive. Yeah. So you need to sell a certain amount of units in order to justify that development cost. So at Tier 1, we don't have enough customers in order to do a fully tooled figure. The Unleashed Doomsday is essentially fully tooled. I think he shares upper biceps or upper leg, and that's it, yeah, yeah. Um, with, with kilowatts. So it's not that we're holding them hostage. It's that we can't. That we wanted to basically say to fans, look, if we can get enough fans in order to make this figure, you know, we want to do that. And it's going to allow us to make even, you know, we'll, we'll be able to say, hey, management, or, you know, hey, DC Warner, look at how many more fans we got this year. When we start planning 2015, we should really consider more fully tooled figures because we know there's enough DCC fans out there to support that, much like we got with Motu. As okay. far as people saying, you know, I don't want to sub up because I want that Unleashed version, you know, and I don't want the, the containment suit, I would really say assume you're getting the containment suit version. The mm-hmm. Unleashed one is kind of your, is like above and beyond if we can hit that. We all want to hit that, but... We, we can't unless we have enough fans. So if, if that's your concern, that you feel like you're subbing in for Unleashed, but you don't want to get stuck with containment suit, not the containment suit is awesome and never been done as a toy before, um, it's probably safer, especially at this point in the, in the sub-sales and where we are, assume you're going to be getting containment suit. Uh, mm-hmm. If we hit Unleashed, great, but don't sub in thinking you're going to get Unleashed and then being disappointed that we didn't get enough for that because let's be realistic and let's, let's not live in a fantasy world. Let's look at where we are and how many more weeks yeah, we yeah, have. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the best way I could put it. It's not a punishment thing. It's purely a numbers game. We need okay. enough fans. 
Well, speaking of numbers then, if, for example, in the last few days we get a, a huge upsurge of sub-buyers and we blast through that Tier 2 level, is there any chance that fans could actually get both doomsday figures? So, here, so here's the way that would work. If we only hit Tier 1, the prison suit one, that's pretty much it because it means we don't have enough fans to justify the tooling to do the Unleashed version. But on the flip side, if we could hit Tier 2, and the Unleashed version becomes the sub-only one, well, the containment suit version is a lot easier to make because it's way less tooling. It's about the same amount of tooling that Monsieur Mala or Metron had. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah, we could, it, it, there's a very good chance that we'd be able to do the containment suit version, maybe for Comic-Con, maybe as a, a non-sub-holiday item, kind of like Granamere or the Wind Raider or yep. uh, uh, the Jet Sled. So... It's not guaranteed, but it becomes way more way more possible. If but we have to hit tier two to even really. I mean, I don't want to say never say never on on any of those scenarios, but that's the most likely scenario. It it all again it all comes down to numbers, and if we have enough to justify the bigger one, it's easier to do the smaller one. If we only have enough to do the smaller one. Well, mathematically, how are we going to do the bigger one? Mm. Does that make sense? Yep. So, I mean, that, that gives me certainly faith, um, not just in, in getting possibly both doomsdays, but also the, the possibility of seeing figures outside the sub. Um, you know, you mentioned the holiday sale or that sort of thing. So does that mean there, there is still the potential to see other, uh, you know, items, figures outside of the sub? Like, will we see, you know, DCUC on sale outside of the subs, such as two packs? If we hit tier two. Okay. Yep. We, we need, like, it is exactly like Motu. The reason Motu grew to be quarterly items, oversized items, beasts, giants, huge $80 dragons, huge $250 castles. The mm. reason the Motu sub or the brand keeps growing is because we have more customers and we have enough customers to justify that. You know, like, the castle is a perfect example. We didn't know if we had enough customers to justify doing that. So we offered it as a pre-sale, and all we had was a B-sheet, a drawing, much like we're doing with the XL one It's just so much tooling and so much development that we can't even begin looking at that until we know we're guaranteed to sell X amount of units. And the Mochi fans really stepped up. I mean, they blew us away by supporting that castle, and we mm. made it. People saw it at Comic-Con, and I didn't see any complaints. So... That's kind of, so if we get to Unleash Doomsday to Tier 2, it doesn't mean, probably doesn't mean much more in 14, but as we start planning 15 and use 14 as our base, we'll be able to say, oh, look, we, had, we now have X number of, of uh, customers. We can start looking at doing more DC items. Mm, mm. Be that two packs or more singles or more oversized or whatever. More awesomeness. More awesomeness. <laughs> we collectors love our conspiracy theories. Um, yes, they do. What, what's the most? <laughs> what's the most frustrating or out there theory or comment or idea that you that you've heard about what you do? Um, I mean, you know, consistently it comes up that the meter is fake. You know, the Mattel is just a marketing ploy. There's, there were even things last week. I felt so bad for poor Don, who's an evil skeleton on board, that uh, you know he wasn't. He was out sick for two days, and he didn't update the meter. And people started saying it was conspiracy theory, and they were holding that back. And <laughs> no, Don was just actually home sick with with a cold and wasn't in the <laughs> office to physically update the meter. So it really is some things like that. People kind of tend to really overanalyze things that, in the end, are extremely simple. Hmm. And it sort of explained away, like, that's a perfect example. Don was not in the office. He was home, sick in bed. It wasn't a conspiracy theory to hold back the meter update. It's things like that. Um, I mean, we love these toys. We're all doing these because we love them. You know, and that goes for the whole team, the digital group, the designers, the horsemen, marketing, packaging, everybody. We love doing this. Hmm. Um, and we want to keep making these, but we, we simply just can't do it without a customer base. Mm. Now, you, you mentioned earlier on that one of the things that does make the sell challenging is that you're asking people to sign up without knowing what the full lineup is. 
in another interview that I, I've read a little bit about, you know, you've name-checked for DC some um, classic characters like Liberty Bell. Um, you've name-checked Legion of Superheroes, you know, that sort of thing. If people are on the fence right now, wouldn't it make more sense to actually give more detail about what else will be on the plate in 2014 if it, it is successful? On paper, sure. I would love to be able to say all 12 figures. But there's a few reasons we can't. One is the logistics reason. Until a toy, any toy, has reached a certain milestone, which is called FPR, Final Product Review, we can't publicly announce it. You know, look at Damian Wayne. I bring that up a lot as an example. That was a figure that was shown publicly that went to tooling, but then got pulled from retail due to, you know, other retail-related issues. And fans were pretty upset over that, to put it lightly. The last thing we want to do is announce figures, even figure names. I mean, what if I said Lois Lane was in the sub or, you know, what did you say, Liberty Bell or more Legion characters or whoever? And then it turned out that changed for a million reasons. Fans would be upset, and some might even get extremely upset, at, you know, and there could be actions taken. Hmm. We can't put, you know, Mattel at that or DC or Warner at any kind of risk like that. And we don't want to upset the fans. I don't want to tell people, we're really considering doing uh, Commissioner Gordon and Mr. Mitchell-Pilek. Again, uh, who else comes up a lot? Uh, Blue Beetle 1. I don't know. I'm, I'm making this up. Yep. These aren't like revealed, just using examples. And then it turns out that those change because of, you know, what if, I mean, I'm making this up. What if Commissioner Gordon gets killed off? You know, or they, or he's going to star in his own movie. And they oh, don't there, want to there's a conspiracy a theory for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I'm totally making this up, but sure. Yeah, no, we know you it's know, your DC insider knowledge. You've just let it slip. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Please, I'm just giving. All right, let, let me give a different example. What if we're gonna? Oh yeah, start, let's start another rumor. Not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, things change. Things mm-hmm. change. Logistically, toys change. Things change in the comic book world with what's happening to characters. So we 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 simply can't do that. And then the other thing that, you know, this is a big one that I think a lot of people miss is for customers that need to know all the figures, you're not the type of customer we're looking for. I hate to say that, but the type of customer that we need are the customers that are all in, that want any Motu figure no matter what, that want any DC figure no matter what. It doesn't matter whether they're getting Commissioner Gordon or Batmite or 1970s Catwoman or the Human Bomb or... Bat Zaro, <laughs> or whoever. I think is a good example, though, of the kind of thing that, for a lot of collectors, pushes the friendship of that kind of idea. Because if you're signing up for something without knowing everything that's there, and I understand all the reasons that you have laid out, what you are having to do is kind of take on faith the spirit of the line in terms of what you think that you could reasonably expect from it. So for myself as an example, when I sign up for Club Infinite Earths and I go back to what was promised for 2013 and it is a collector's line, it is a line that is supposed to reflect an, an understanding of what we diehard DC collectors want. For me, a, a Grant Morrison Red Hood that only had like three appearances and a Bat Zorro don't actually fit the spirit of that. So when when you think about those decisions, and I understand some of the practicalities of why you might have to make them, do you know that some of those choices are going to be controversial? You know, I mean, when it turned out, like, since that was the version of Red Hood, the only version we could afford to make because of the number of customers we had, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there was even talk of could we change those characters to someone else, but it was way too late in, in the process. You know, I, I totally get that those two were not the most popular of the year, but look at every other slot. Like, everyone is 100% or zeroing in on, on Bad Zorro and Red Hood. But let's just, just for sake of argument, put them aside. Look at the other 10. Wally West, Elongated Man, Huntress, Rachel Ghoul, uh, who else? Uh, Tim Walker, Laura Fleas, um, uh, House of Mystery, why am I? Uh, Phantom Stranger. I mean, I, I don't think there as the remaining 10, I don't think there was a single question on any of those. So, yes, there's, there may be one or two that some fans are like not 100% on, 
And we're, 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 I don't, I'm definitely not guaranteeing that 100% all 12 figures are just going to be beloved by everyone. What I will say is that obviously there's key learnings every year, and we learn which figures work, which ones don't, which ones might push the limit. You know, with Pat Zaro, for example, he was planned well, all of 2013 was planned way back in 2011. A lot of fans forget about that, too. There's a, a two-year cycle for toys. It's not like movies or comics that are done much quicker. See, I don't find that way reassuring, then, though, Scott. I don't, find it, I don't find it reassuring that Bet Zaro was planned in 2011 because that, to me, does not actually – Communic- like I, I would feel much better about it if you said, hey, this was from another line and we didn't have a choice, we had to shove it in. Because I know you're saying one or two characters, but we're talking about out of 12. One or two out of 12 is a fairly high percentage, so that you know increases the risk. But, and when we talk about characters that aren't going to be beloved to everyone, I would hope that we're at least thinking about characters that are beloved to someone. And I, I defy you to point out to me a top 10 wanted DC Universe Classics list anywhere on the internet that has got Batzaro on it. And I'm not saying you know he was taken from a... The figures are not taken off fan requests. I will absolutely say that. That's not how it works. We work with Warner Brothers in DC very closely on who gets released, and Mattel, DC, and Warner all have input, and the Four Horsemen. So you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and, and you know, there's a, there are, you know, re, there are other reasons why certain characters get put in that I can't always share publicly, but it comes from a lot of sources. And, you know, it's not like Scott Knightwick just gets to go look at all the top ten fan request lists you know, draw a line at, at number 10 and say, these are the, we're going to put in these top 10 because these are the top 10 fans want. If you look at a lot of those top 10 lists, most of them are incredibly highly tooled. Granny Goodness, Doomsday, I mean, just, you know, for two, two, two prime examples. Most, I would say 80% plus of the figures fans are asking for are not possible in the sub because we don't have enough customers. If we hit tier two, it would vastly open up our ability to do more characters. I will tell you that, you know, when that, you know, to, to explain Bat Zaro, I know there's questions about why he'd be in there. There was no Batman Unlimited line at the time he was planned. And there was a lot, there was a lot of rationale to put a Batman variant in the, in the, in the line somewhere. And we looked at a lot of different versions. Some of those versions wound up in the Batman Unlimited line. Bat Zaro, I, you know, if memory serves, you know, one of, one of the reasons figures do wind up in the line is because of how toyetic they look, that they just make great toys. They look visually cool and awesome. And sometimes there is someone, you know, be it in the Mattel and the Four Horsemen and the DC and the Warner, that wants to see that type of character in there for, for, for specific business reasons. And, you know, it, it, it's not just dropping in the top 10 fan requests. Sure. It, it, I'll, so I'll, I guess, though, when trying we... Trying to be as open and honest. Yeah, we, you know, I, I appreciate that, and we are too. Um, when, when you think about business reasons, though, as you said, at the moment, the DC sub is sitting at around 30%. And that, I get, you know, there's two ways ultimately to look at that. One is to reflect on your own business practices, and one is ultimately to blame the customer. So if that's the decisions that have been made... And I would really put to you that things like Batzaro uh, make a huge difference to the confidence of certainly in our in our community. And I recognize that it's small, but the diehard people that have been collecting this from the beginning, Batzaro doesn't put faith in me that I can go blind for for another twelve months. Red Hood doesn't put faith, you know, in, instill faith in me that I can go blind for another twelve months because this is a it's a collector's line. In your own words last year, you said this is a love letter to the fans. Well, Bat Zero to me is a is a poison pen letter, and I know I'm harping on it, but it, you know it's one out of twelve, and it is the kind of thing that it's more indicative of. We understand, you know, you're not completely in control of this, but. If someone's dropping that into the line, is this actually a line for classic DC collectors, or is it something that actually isn't what we want? I'm hoping that it's, you know, what's it, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, people have seen the figures we've revealed for 14. You know, I can definitely tell you 14 is way stronger, I think, than any other year. A big part of that is because we also don't have a retail line to support in six-inch four horsemen style, so it allows us more creativity. We don't have to be in sync with what they're doing or share, 
you know, if they're doing this character, then we're not going to do this character or, you know, vice versa. So we don't have that extra logistical element to deal with. So we can really just pump out as many characters as we can. I get, I 100% get that that Donald was not everyone's favorite choice, as you say, with a poison pen. But, and uh, God, I don't want to sound all, all pompous or anything, but it's like you accept your bad Zaros and you get your Huntresses and your Rachel Ghouls and your Hook Arm Aquamans and your Wally Wests and your you know, Elongated Mans, etc. Yet there will absolutely be a figure or two that some fans may not want. And it may be in there for reasons that, you know, are way above if you will, like my pay grade or, you know, it's not like <laughs> Scott Knightwick. I know I'm kind of the face out there and I, you know, as the marketing person, the four horsemen and I tend to be the ones out there, but we are not the ones who make all of these decisions. You know, I wish I could just make this Scott Knightwick line and just say, Hey, these are the top 10 figures people want. Screw the tooling. These are the ones we're making, you know, or even here are the top 10 figures that are tooling easy that we're going to make. It, it just doesn't work that way especially on a line that's licensed. We have, you know, Warner and DC have an incredibly awesome partner. And they have, they have a lot of input on everything we do. And we love their input, and they're great. And they help us fashion these lines. At the end of the day, every single figure has to get approved by everyone. Warner, DC, Mattel, design, marketing, horsemen. There are a lot of cooks. And when that happens, there's going to be, you know, some spices that not every fan wants. But if you really look at the line as a whole, and I only kind of say that because it's sort of like, don't chop off your nose to spite your face. Okay, yes, you may not have wanted that Zaro. You may not have wanted that version of Red Hood. And I wish we could have done a different version. We just didn't have the customer base to do the tooling for a bigger version of Red Hood. Mm. Don't not sub and not get hook arm Aquaman and end the line because you're angry over bad sorrow. I get the fans are, and I agree with them, you know, that not every character is going to be for everyone. But I guess what I urge is for fans, again, you know, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Don't refuse to sub or not support the line and now sacrifice getting any more figures. I mean, it's sort of like, I hate to say this is a price we all have to pay, but it, it kind of is. If you, you know, without supporting a four-year line... You get nothing. And it, I don't, you know, I don't want to sound all, you know, sub or die or, you know, all threat. It's not, it's not that. I mean, I know it kind of is that on paper, but that's just because of the logistics of producing this stuff. Hmm. It's, um, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like if you want more characters, this is, the, this is the way we can offer it. And refusing to sub or not subbing in because you don't want to take the risk that another Bat Zaro type character is in there, you know, a 1 out of 12 or a 2 out of 12. You have every right to not sub, but by doing that, it's, it's the only person who's getting hurt is the fans because it means no more figures. It's you know, like I kind of said in the beginning. But I guess I, I guess where I, have, I'm, I struggle with that message, Scott, because we've heard this before. I totally hear what you're saying, and I also hear that you know I, I understand th- these are not all your decisions, and that you're the you're the you're the face of it. So please don't take it as a you know a personal thing. But no, no, I if don't. if you have to continually go out there with that message why not do something about it in a practical sense why put yourself in that position because to me you know things you know there are some things that are uh, i guess with a marketing understanding and an understanding of your customer base you'd have to look at it and go this is just a red rag to uh, the, the client base. You know, it's like a red rag to a bull. It's just going to piss people off. Um, so, you know, why do it? Doesn't that ultimately hurt the line? Uh, because it seems then a bit unfair to turn it around on the customers to say, yeah, you know, we we know that you don't like this, but you're going to have to buy it if you want more of this. It just it doesn't seem like the right psychology to me. It's, it's, I mean, in a like I said, I wish I could make this line work for every customer, for every buying method, every socioeconomic need, every character interest, every geographical location. I can't. I mean, honestly, it's why you don't see other – I mean, there's, there's so fewer adult collector lines out there, especially ones that are this deep in the character selection. I mean, DC is well over 200 characters. Motu is well over 100. I get it. I'm 100% with you. I'm not arguing with you. No, I, um, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you know, but 
at the end of the day, oh, I did it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is this is what we can do. This is the only. I mean, it, it's not like we could put these figures out there one at a time individually, and you know, and say, okay, you know, here's Hook Arm Aquaman, and we're not going to make Hook Arm Aquaman until we get 100. percent Okay, now here's Connor Kent, not doing him. We can't do that because it's the year-long full 12 figure program holistically that allows it to go forward. Some sure. figures have more tooling than others. Yeah. There might be a character that's only a head, and he helps justify a character like Aquaman that actually has a lot of tooling. Aquaman is, is I think, the highest-tooled figure we've ever done for Club Infinite Earths, um, or close to it. Or Huntress was really expensive to do. She had a lot of new parts. And a character like, uh, like Wally West, who's just boots and a head, allows us you know, to, to do a Huntress, because holistically, as 12 figures, the financials have to work. One mm. figure alone might have much lower financials, meaning the tooling is higher, so the MC, the margins are lower. So we can't, we can't do it like that where we sell them individually. We have to sell them as a bundle. It's got to be 12 figures. And I know that you don't know all 12. You only know a fourth of the figures for a fourth, yeah. Um, one quarter's worth. So, yeah, it's like, you're right. I mean, 100%, but this is what's out there. And without fan support, at the end of the day, it, the line will just go away. I mean, it will. I'll be, I'll be absolutely open about that. Four Horseman-style DC figures and Four Horseman-style Motu classics will go away if, they're all, if we don't have a subscription base. And I understand people, you know, yeah, they could love to know all the whole year or, they, or, you know, have more information or buy them individually. Unfortunately, I mean, if this was 2008 and we could produce these figures for a lot less, that might be possible. Retailers might be more open to having them at retail. They're not. We're doing, I mean, we are bending reality to make these happen. I mean, mm. it is, I think you asked about misconceptions earlier. I think another big one is that people think there's like a massive, huge team making these toys. Mm. It's not. It's like me and the horsemen, two designers and two packaging guys. <laughs> That's it. And, you know, and then of course, Warner Brothers and DC and management. Sure. It's not like, you know, a wing at Mattel dedicated to this. It's like three guys and the horsemen mm. doing this. I mean, look, look, I'm doing this podcast at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday while on vacation. Yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to, like, tout myself, but that's the kind of dedication from no. the whole team. Yeah. That's why I think people think that there's so many, there's, like, a huge amount of people doing this. It's not. It's three of us yeah. working within a giant corporation like Mattel. That's yeah. not an easy thing to do. So no. this is the, I mean, this, we're putting everything we can into making these figures, and we, we just we can't do it without subscriptions. I wish we could. So talking about top ten lists and figure tooling, et cetera, you, you did mention that if the 2014 sub goes through and it's, uh, there's quite the, the take-up, um, that we could possibly be looking at a fan poll for 2015. Can you give us a bit more information about that? So, for example, you know, would you just throw it open to, say, 40 characters that have been approved by the powers that be, or would it be something where we would get a uh, one list would be choose one um, heavily tooled figure from this list, choose two medium-tooled figures from this list, and choose nine minimal tooling figures from the third list? Oh, so it, it wouldn't be a full year of fans' choice. It would be like one slot, maybe two of the 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, it would absolutely be a predetermined list. It would be similar to the fans' choice line, you know, votes that we did back in the retail line where, you know, every couple waves we did a fans' choice and we gave four or five slots. I think, um, God, I can't even remember who won. I know Huntress and Catman both lost but eventually got made. So even if somebody mm-hmm. loses, it doesn't mean they wouldn't get made. Why am I totally blanking on who won the fans' choice? Um, it was like years it was ago. Raven. On the brand. I think it was Raven. Um, it was who? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Raven. Right. Raven won one, and oh, God, who won the other one? Um, ugh, sorry, too many years, too many toys. <laughs> I know. Um, it's sorry, it's 830. I'm still drinking my Starbucks here. But uh, I, know, I, I, remember, I remember who lost the poll. <laughs> I, yes. who won. I think it was um, uh, Necron. Oh, wasn't it the question? Ne- well, Necron won the one that build the build the. Wasn't that one before Raven? Question. I thought Raven was the second. 
Mm. Question. Yes, there you go. Oh, my gosh. There you go. Question <laughs> one. Wow. Yeah, he would like to figure I wanted to do more than anything. I'm so glad he won. Um, so if we had a fans poll, it, it would definitely be pre-vetted, pre-logistically thought-out characters. So we would, we would have to figure out, okay, here's five slots. Here's how much it would cost to make these figures. They're all relatively about the same amount of money in tooling, the same amount of parts. Um, DC, Warner Brothers, are you good with these? Yes, you're good. Horseman, are you good? Mattel Management, are you good? Okay, everybody is approved. These five slots, they all cost around the same amount of money. Now we'll allow the fans to vote, and it would probably have to be the November or December figure for the year, like way out there, because it takes, like I said, two years of development. So it's not like it would just be open for any figure and, um, you know, any amount of tooling. It would have to be pre sought out. Hmm. Hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. You know, another, uh, I guess, misconception that you hit on earlier, which I think is a a factor for DC, is, you know, you said we're talking about really obscure characters here. And for people, you know, like myself, who, you know, is immersed, has been immersed in this universe for 30 years, um, none of them seem obscure at all. You know, they, um, you know, Aquaman's friend Volko seems like an absolutely obvious choice, and why hasn't he been done? Um, and <laughs> you know, I, well, I, I understand that, you know, that's a, a difficulty, I think, in the DC collector psychology in particular, is that we all have our own, you know, I'm a Legion fan, um, I want my Phantom Girl, blah, 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 et cetera, um, whereas, you know, that would be a really hard sell for a lot of people. I appreciate it. So, um, you know, I do definitely think that you've done a really good job of trying to cover as many of those bases as possible. Um, but it's something, it's not like Masters of the Universe where, you know, for me, one reason why I haven't kind of pulled the trigger for Masters of the Universe next year is that to me, it feels almost complete for the layer of characters that I know and, and care about. DC's never going to feel that way. You're never going to be able to make people happy. So I, I do, in terms of a completion sense, so I, I do appreciate that challenge that you have. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, I, you know, to, to address your question on Motu, um, let's give a little Motu love here. We've been talking about DC. <laughs> I've heard that, that it's, it's interesting, and that's been one of the biggest feedbacks this year is a lot of people like, hey, you know, I kind of, now that you've done Mantena and Horde Troopers, um, I'm kind of done. I have everybody I want. And, you know, we, we tried to address that last year when the subs didn't sell in as quickly, and we were very clear that, look, we were going to rework the roadmap. Back in 2009, we sat down and we mapped out, you know, Motu for about 10 years, all the way through, I think, 2017, 2018, because we knew we had a finite number of characters, and we wanted to make sure each year was strong. It's why Ram Man didn't show up until 2013. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's why Glimmer didn't show up until 14. Glimmer actually was always funny. She was she actually didn't get changed. She was always the 14th uh, February slot, even mm. from day one. Mm. And that actually a lot of 14 really didn't. It's funny how little it changed. Uh, you know, there are only about four or five slots that changed around. You know, just taking out those you know fighting foe men or snake man at arms type characters that we wanted to you know use to make the biggest most robust line. So with Motu, you know, we took that, that 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 line and condensed it to two years. So we took out all the fluff, you know, the, the concept characters, you know, the characters from, you know, the, the Dare, Son of He-Man, or the Red Beasts, or the Illuminas, you know, those type of characters that are sort of niche. And we took them out of, of the four-year roadmap, and then we took the remaining characters that were just the vintage figures, vintage Motu, vintage DOP, and then sort of the A-list new adventures. So you're not going to see the KOs or, you know, the Nocturnas um, and the A-list filmation and the A-list mini-comic in 2000X. So 14 and if we get to a 15 are probably two of the strongest years we've ever done. And I understand a lot of people have everyone they want, but let's look at who you don't have. You know, you still don't have a good chunk of the really amazing Princess of Power figures. So the ones that are a little higher tool the Flutterinas, the Mermistas, the Sweeties, the Entrappas. These characters take a lot of tooling because they have giant you know, wings or tails or hair or whatever. Look at the remaining Motu vintage figures, your real blasts, your extendars. Um, like who, I'm trying to think like who else is out there that hasn't been. You know, these, these characters, the characters you're going to get in the next two years, they, yeah, they, they, you know, the big guns are done. The Pulas, the Man-at-Arms, the Beast-Man, they're, they're way done. But the characters that are remaining, not only are they amazingly cool characters, but they're probably some of the highest tooled and most, 
not the one, what's the word I'm looking for, but just like dense figures we've ever done. If you look at Menchenna or Horde Troopers or Modulok, you know, characters that are upcoming, the Motu characters that are remaining are, you're getting way more for your money, shall we say, than you've ever gotten before. Com- compare that to, say, 09, where a new character like Zodak or Faker or Triclops were basically a head and new armor. I mean, Faker was a repaint. He didn't even have any tooling. So you think of a more well-known character, but he really didn't deliver much for your money. Versus a character like Real Blast or Extendar or Squeeze or, um, trying to, my, again, coffee, 8 o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> These characters are way more dense and have way more parts. And you're just going to, like, if you look at Mantena, who's coming out next month or October, I know you don't physically have them in your hands, but you guys have seen them at the conventions. You're paying the same amount for Mantenna as you did for, you know, I mean, I know he's $5 more, but it's the same basic, the only prices have gone up. It's the same basic slot that, say, Zodak had back in 09. You put Zodak and Mantenna next to each other, knowing that you paid the same amount. And yes, I know Mantenna's $5 more, but that's only because prices, inflation, you know, costs have gone up. If Mantenna was produced in 09, he would have been $20. Zodak was produced in 2013, he'd be 25. So they're both basic figures. Let's just call it that. For the price of a basic figure, you put Zodak and Mantena next to each other, Mantena feels a lot more, a lot more value there. All of the figures for Motu that are coming out in 14 and hopefully 15 are more in that Mantena category. I mean, yeah, there's like Ninjor, who's maybe a little less tooling, but he's got a lot of accessories. If he's going to be accurate to vintage, that kind of makes up for it. There really aren't figures left that are heads in armor. Everybody that's left has giant tails and giant wings, giant, you know, gun backpacks. And, you know, Extendar is basically probably a fully-tooled figure. Modulock is a fully-tooled figure. Multibot is a fully-tooled figure. You're going to get so much more value. And I hate to see the line, you know, kind of end prematurely. I I know that people have their man-at-arms and their Skeletors and, you know, He-Man and Beast-Man already. It's, yeah, that's, that's sort of, you know, we were always going to get there. But uh, you're definitely, you're not going to see, you know, your fighting foemen and your snake man at arms and your uh, uh, star sisters and that kind of thing over the next two years. You're hmm. going to see, the, you know, no pun intended with real blast, but your top guns. <laughs> your real, you know, the characters that fans really, really want, and they're all, so dense and so much tooling, and they're just so beautiful that I hate to not see characters like that come to fruition. Hmm. Consider that too. You know, consider how much more value you're getting in your basic figures versus what you got in 09 and 010 when you could do triclops for a head and an armor and a sword. You know, and that was it. Absolutely. So you're sort of trading off security for way more product. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, and, and, you're going to be not only are we maximizing the figures, but we've kind of hinted at this, and this story will go live on Maddie in a few days. We are also going to really maximize the accessories. So if there's a character that, this is a bit of a scoop for you here, if there's a character that, say, only has one or two weapons, and we have the tooling to do a third weapon or even a second one, like it says it only has one, one accessory, we're going to use that accessory slot to try to get out an accessory that might, if you will, complement a previous figure. Mm-hmm. So, for you know, maybe it's like a magical object from Filmation or 2000X. It's one of those really cool bonus accessories that probably has nothing to do with the figure it's coming with. Mm-hmm. So there might be a, you know, uh, okay, this is here's a bad example. It's not happening, but just to give an example. <laughs> the Diamond Ray of Disappearance, one of those Filmation magical artifacts that fans have wanted. Like, a picture that that, uh, that, uh, that accessory came with Glimmer, if you will. Glimmer has nothing to do with that accessory, but we're going to try to pack those type of accessories in with as many figures as possible in Motu, so you're not only at the end of the year going to get all these awesome characters, but you're going to wind up with a whole bunch of really, really cool accessories that you've waited years, if not decades, to have. So that's another bonus to, to signing up for Club Eternia. It's, honestly, you're going to get some of the coolest accessories you've ever had, and there will be a ton of accessories that come with figures that have nothing to do with that figure. 
kind of like a perfect example is Goat Man. He comes with um, uh, Stratos's staff of Avion from the mini comics. There's no reason that comes with Goat Man. It has nothing to do with Goat Man. But we know fans want that accessory. You are going to see a lot of that in 2014. Hmm. Mm. It, it sounds like you, you lost me at Flood Arena. I've got to say there, <laughs> I, I think my testicles shrank a little. But the um, you know, that uh, there's a depth there that um of those characters. I think I understand that that's still to come. It's probably you know for someone like me who I, I was never hugely into that. It's a once Ram Man, it kind of that's what I was hanging out for. So it's kind of a, a tricky thing to. Um, necessarily keep going with because I'm the diehard DC guy, but we definitely we've got Masters fans, um, both oh, yeah. you know amongst our hosts and um, in in our listeners that will be really keen to hear that. So thank you very much for that. Mm. Um, look, just trying to wrap it up because I know that you know we've taken you out of your holiday and we really appreciate your time. Um, what what do you feel are your proudest accomplishments? Um, so far with these lines because you know we're we're so greedy we're always focused on that one character that you haven't made yet that you know we don't we don't stop enough to appreciate um you know the huge collection i've got in storage um in my garage at the moment um you know what are you proudest of of the characters that you have gotten out there um, I mean, if I was just going to go proudest things I've done, I think it would definitely be, you know, Castle Grayskull, the Back to the Future hoverboard, and just kind of Motu Classic as a whole, the idea that there could be so many figures. So I was going to zero down on Jeff, Motu, or DC. Um, you know, I think Modulock is a huge one. Mantena, for me, was a huge one. I had a very special memory of getting him as a child. Uh, that he was, he was a holiday gift. Hmm. That uh, my parents actually, it was uh, one night for Hanukkah, my gift was that when I was seven or eight or whatever back in the 80s, my parents took me to the, the gift that night. Every night was a different gift for Hanukkah, eight nights. And uh, they took my sister and I to Toys R Us and allowed us to buy any toy we wanted. Oh, and I cool. picked out Mantena. Well, um, so he, I've been waiting years to get there. He was a very special toy to me. Hmm. And the fact that he's got four fully articulated legs, interchangeable eyeballs. I mean, he is an amazing, amazing toy. Mm-hmm. Um, for DC, I'm trying to kind of think what's on sort of my, I have a couple figures that are on my top shelf in my, my cube. I mentioned earlier a question. He was definitely a character I personally really wanted. Um, uh, Commandy was a character I really, really wanted and got the gamble. That was actually my one pick. For DC, back in the day, I'd been on the brand for about five years and mm-hmm. They allowed me to have one slot. Uh, in, in, that was back when we were doing, you know, five waves of six characters, so like mm-hmm. 30 characters a year. And they said, hey, you know, Sky Nihilic, thank you so much for your dedication. You can have a slot. And I was like, Commandy, we're doing Commandy. That's it, Commandy. No question, we're doing him. I, I've wanted a Commandy figure my whole life. I mean, I can't believe he never had a toy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we, I mean, he's almost fully cool, too. Yeah, I think he shares very few parts and has all those guns and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think though, you know, those are kind of some personal favorites. Usually the characters I had an emotional attachment to. Sure. Especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to wrap it up probably in a two, two, three minutes here. But Come really, on. guys, this is, this is kind of it. Yep. No worries. That's fantastic. Yeah. Can I just finish off, Scott, and ask you, regardless of tooling, if there was one remaining DC character you could get made, who would it be? Granny goodness. Mm. I would definitely <laughs> love to do. I mean, you know, I'm a big um, Fourth World fan, mm. and you know, especially because we never got to her in Justice League Unlimited. Mm. She had a huge role in that the Superman show. Um, I, you know, it'd be great to get to her in Six Inch, but there's no. We looked at her. I mean, there's no way to do her without pretty much 100 percent or 80, 90 percent tooling. Mm. Mm. Um, I'd love to get to more Legion characters. I'm a huge Legion of superheroes fan. Love to get to more females. Really want to get to like you know Liberty Bell and Dixon and some of the other like Justice League and uh, Justice Society characters to finish off those teams. We we've done a lot. Doomsday was a big one, you know. Yeah. I think yeah. Death of Superman was one of my first DC comics as a Marvel guy as a little kid. I didn't get to DC till later, and uh, the, the Superman, the Death of Superman '75 arc was one of my first introductions as a child to the DC universe. Yeah. So 
really, really excited to get this both versions of Doomsday in time. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, Scott, thank you so much for taking time out of your holiday and your weekend to talk to us. And if there's one thing that, Absolutely. you know, certainly has always come across from you and definitely um, has come across again today, that is a, a real passion for this. And I appreciate your time and also just the insights that you have given us as well into it. It's really um, it's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're most welcome, and thank you guys for inviting me on the show. It's a real pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for helping spread the word. And, you know, I think if I could just close and say, I get it. I get why fans, you know, and customers have, you know, I don't want to call them issues, but, you know, things that they want, you know, they like, no, again, all 12 figures, or not have to buy them through the mail, or whatever, whatever. Whatever your, you know, niche issue is with the delivery system and how we're doing it, I really would say, Try to put that aside. You know, that Zaro, Red Hood, Snake Man at Arms, those things aside, it's all or nothing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we either do this or we don't do this. And for all those people who say, I'm not subscribing because of that Zaro, or I'm not subscribing because I already got Lamb Man and I'm done, but I kind of want too bad that I could live without him. For every fan, you know, Princess of Power that doesn't want new adventures, but buys the subs so they can get their glimmer, you're doing that so that some new adventures fan can get their high drop. And the reverse, go, and then it goes the other way that those new adventures fans that don't want Glimmer but really want Hydron are accepting Glimmer mm. so they can get their Hydron, allowing now a the power fan to get their Glimmer. It's, we have to come together as a fan base. This isn't going to work without all of us. Mm. You know, we have to, I keep using the, the same quote from Lord of the Rings, but it's so apropos. You know, you will unite or you will fall. It really is that. We either come together and we all do this, or there won't be these toy lines anymore, and we'll just move on, and we'll make more kid products, and that's fine, too. But, you know, if these lines don't go forward, and, you know, we're doing everything we can, but it's going to take the fans, and I, I, I get all the niche issues. I'm not arguing that people's point of view isn't right. I mean, you guys are. But this is what we got. And we either come together, we all, as a united DC Motu Ghostbusters fan base, support these pre-sales, these subs, or they don't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a threat. It's not a sub or die. It's just we're trying to be as transparent as possible. There are no conspiracies. They don't exist. I mm-hmm. promise you, we don't sit around like, hey, how can we make this happen? And screw the man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that. Believe me, like I said, there's three people working on these. We don't... We barely have the energy to make these happen, let alone the energy to like create a conspiracy. It just, it just doesn't happen. People get sick, they miss work, they don't update the meter. That's what happens. So then when they're back in the office, they update the meter. We're going to do everything we can. I'll keep doing these podcasts. I'll keep blogging for the next 10 days, even while I'm on vacation here. Guys, this is it. Let's sub. Let's make these happen. Scott Nitlick, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, sir. You are most, most welcome. And, uh, I'll see you guys on the board. Wonderful. Open the jaw, Grace. The powers of evil control Castle Grayskull. Oh, yeah, Dad, what's wrong in power? I'll get us inside, He-Man. Ram-Man, He-Man, and Castle Grayskull, each sold separately. You have to put the castle together. Ram-Man, use your head. I just did. Not that way. We have a prisoner. Good. Who's the prisoner? You are, because we have the power. Oh, no. Ram-Man and He-Man from the Masters of the Universe collection, each sold separately. Castle Grayskull also sold separately from Mattel. Well, that was pretty amazing, pretty interesting, pretty confrontational. <laughs> pretty Bat-Zaro. Indeed it was, indeed it was. Um, look, I got out of that exactly what I wanted, which is um, to hear, you know, from the horse's mouth the answers to some of the questions that, you know, we ask often. And I think that's... Um, it's validated for me why I felt like we should go ahead with it because at the end of the day, you know, we, we're, we're free in expressing our opinions, but they are basically uninformed opinions because we don't have that insider knowledge. And a lot of those things are things we've heard many times, but I definitely got some new things out of that as well. And so I feel like I have a better picture now of where things are. So I'm very appreciative to Scott for his time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Me too. There's a lot of clarification there for me. And, and an absolute tip of the hat uh, to Scott for doing it because, um, I mean, we did say before we started recording, was there anything that was off limits? Was there anything specific that he wanted us to ask him? And he just said, absolutely not. Go for it. There are some hard questions that need to be asked because fans want to know. So nothing was off limits. Yeah. No. Well, we're going to um, put this up straight away. So that means that we'll do two episodes this week. We'll have a, a shorter episode um, later on in the week of some of the other bits that normally would be in the show that we had already recorded. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll get this up in time for people to listen and make up their own minds while there's still time to subscribe at Manny Collector if they decide that they want to. Hmm. Very good. Yeah, and also we do love getting feedback. So um, we do have a Facebook presence, a Twitter presence. We'll play all those addresses for you in a moment. But we also have email podcast at actionfigureblues.com. And in one of those places, we would love your feedback on what you think about um, that chat and uh, perhaps what you're going to do from here. Absolutely. Yep. Let us know. Are you in? Are you out? We want to know. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Toy Guru. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter at AFBlues and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 